Well, good morning. Can we just take a moment and celebrate our dream team and that serves in worship? Pastor Will's on vacation and did not even miss a beat this morning. So, Pastor Will, if you're misbehaving and watching this morning, uh, they, they did you proud. So, um, anyways, if this is your first time here, or maybe it's been a long time, my name's Josh, my wife Brittany and I have the pleasure of serving as the lead pastors here at Greenville First. And uh, before we hop in today, um, if you were with us on week one, um, I, I, I talked about in referencing parables that oftentimes when Jesus is telling these stories, uh, there, there has to be some understanding of what was taking place during this time. The geography, the landscape, uh, the economic system, all of this plays into us truly understanding what was happening and what Jesus is trying to communicate. If we try to read the Bible through our 2022 lens, oftentimes we miss some of the depth and the meaning of what was written in Scripture. And so uh, I mentioned in week one how we uh, have some dates lined up for us to uh, reboot our trip to Israel. We had one slotted for 2020, and uh, well, there just wasn't much traveling at all in 2020. And uh, so we do have some dates. I will go ahead and we can put those up October 25th through November 3rd of next year. And uh, you may be like, well, why are you telling us that's a long way off? Uh, well, it costs a lot of money to go to Israel. Uh, there takes some planning and preparation, and so we're just trying to give you a head start. So if you say anything within you, hey, I at least want more information, I'd love to be apprised of, as, as things are, are drawing closer to, you know, there will be some deadlines this fall uh, for deposits and things of that nature. Um, if you would like to reserve your spot, if you want to get on that information list, I'd love for you to visit greenvillefirst.church. It's on the main page. It'll be on the main page, uh, and you can kind of join that list. And uh, that doesn't lock you in that we're going to come chasing you down for money. Uh, that just says, hey, I want to be a part of the informational conversations and what's taking place. But we are really, really excited because I will tell you, I had the, uh, the, the opportunity to go to Israel in January of 2020 uh, in setting up. And it was unbelievable the connection that begins to happen when you're walking in the places that these stories were told. And uh, you just begin to see it from a different light. And we would love for you to journey with us. Um, and and uh, it's just going to be an awesome time. Now, it's hard to believe we are in week six of this series. As I was writing that uh, in my notes, because every week I, I just number, which is week one, two, three, four, five. And now we're in week six. And I just thought to myself, summer slow down. Uh, it is six weeks of summer already, and before we know it, uh, college football season will be back. And uh, we, you know, that comes before fall. So I, I don't want to say fall will be here before you know it. College football season will be here before you know it. And uh, for some of us, that's a painful uh, experience. We'll we'll see. Uh, we'll 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 see how it goes. Uh, well, today we are hopping into, as Pastor Stephen said, the parable of uh, the hidden treasure. And uh, before we read, I just want us to pause uh, for a moment of, of prayer. Father, we just come to you right now, and we thank you for just what you're doing in us, in this place, in our lives. God, I pray right now that you would help open our hearts, you would open our ears and open our eyes, that we may see what you're speaking to us today, that we may hear your word today, and God, that our hearts would be transformed and changed forever. In your name we pray. Everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. Well, hey, our text today is going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. And I'm going to give you a heads up today. We're going to read this passage a few times. You know, some parables are, are kind of lengthy in, in, in verse count. And so uh, today is kind of a short, it's actually two parables amongst three verses. So I figure that, well, it's not 12 to 15 verses, so we'll just read it three or four times and make up for it, okay? Thanks. <laughs> just crickets. It's awesome. I'll read it 17 times if I want to. Just kidding, Lord. Help that inner youngest child just get out of me right now. Amen. Matthew 13, 44 through 46 says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Parable number one. Parable number two, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, I don't know about you, maybe, maybe it's just me, but when I hear the word treasure, if there is a treasure hunting movie, I want to watch it. Anybody like National Treasure, it has to be in like my, my favorite. I can rewatch that film over and over. I got to expose my boys to the greatness of National Treasure uh, this year. And, and, and we watched National Treasure 1 and 2 before we took a family trip up uh, and, and we went to um, George Washington's house and all that. What was, what's that called? Mount Vernon. There we go. And in one of the movies, there's like, there's like hidden passageways there. And so my boys are like thinking this is real deal. You know, we're going to find the hidden passageways and we're going to find the treasure. There's just something in me when I see this word treasure, it just kind of like sparks the inner child in me. So much so the other night, Netflix, they have a new show. It's about treasure hunting in Alaska and I'm just going to ruin it for you. They don't find any treasure. But they try to hook you. Because they leave you hanging at the end of every episode. And after the first episode, Brittany's like, this is so slow. This is awful. Do they, they better find treasure. And so I had to go to Google, and Google told me that they don't find treasure. So I'm just saving you binge-watching eight episodes there. But Jesus, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in a field. Now, Every single parable that we've walked through, we, we set this up from the beginning, every parable that Jesus begins to speak has a central point and, and, and really one meaning that is underlying in the entire communication, and that is this, is that the kingdom of God is worth it all. The kingdom of God is worth it all. See, Jesus tells us in these two parables, really he, he, he's talking all about the kingdom of heaven. You may have heard that I just interchanged it with kingdom of God. And let me explain why. The Jewish people uh, uh, historically have been fearful of using God's name in vain. Using God's name in an inappropriate context. And so when this was scribed and when this was written and probably even in the words of Jesus because he was, he was Jewish, if you didn't realize that, so if you understand some of that, you can understand even some of the dialogue and how Jesus told stories and how he taught. But they would not have used the kingdom of God in fear that 
they would have used God's name inappropriately, and so we have the kingdom of heaven, but it is the kingdom of God. Now, I also want you to hear, because sometimes we, we hear kingdom of heaven, and we think that, hey, heaven was buried in a field. It's not that. The kingdom of God is not necessarily a place. It is the collection of God's ways, His authority, His power, His redemption. Am I too close? Do I need to back up? Because I hear it. Okay, we're good. They're giving me good. I just, I'm like, I, I'm getting too close and I hear myself. Maybe it's just the room. Is that rain coming? Better not be. We've had enough this morning. But Jesus is talking to us in these two parables and he's describing the kingdom of God that is all God's nature, all God's power, all God's freedom is a hidden treasure in a field and it's worth it all. It's a pearl that could not be found anywhere else that's worth selling everything to grab hold of it. Jesus is telling us the priceless value of the kingdom. Jesus is telling us that the kingdom has an extreme cost. God's kingdom, being a part of the king's family, it's worth it all. It's worth giving up everything. See, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. So we have a man here who's working in a field. He's not treasure hunting, mind you. He's working in a field, and he stumbles upon, maybe he was digging holes. I don't know what he was doing, but he stumbles upon some treasure. Now, you may think, that would be a great day for me to stumble upon some treasure. But this would have been commonplace for people to gather their possessions and bury them. Because they didn't have the traditional banking system we have today. They weren't working on direct deposit and money market accounts. And they didn't take all their wealth and possessions and put it into the stock market. They buried it. This also gives you some understanding if you're familiar with the parable of the talents. When the one who was foolish buried what was given. Because this was commonplace. Now what I found out in my life is this this. this operation of burying things is not too far removed from our generation some of you in the room y'all may have some stuff buried or hidden in an ice cream box in the freezer or like the article I, I read not too long ago somebody found $36,000 hidden in a couch true story they returned the, the money because you know it's, it's I guess the right thing to do I mean, Jesus says this man discovered a treasure and he went and bought the field. If I bought the couch, the money in it, I bought it. Anyways, I digress. But my great-grandfather is said to be, right, great-grandfather? Not great-great-great-grandfather? My great-great-grandfather. I called him my great-grandfather last service. But he, he, he lived in Columbia. And it's said that he didn't believe in banks because there was this this time in, in, in the history of our country where the banks collapsed and, and so uh, he didn't believe in banks so he just hid his money everywhere. He buried it all across the yard but here's the thing, nobody's found it. Now I'm like, let's go buy the house, dig it up. But there is rumor that this place is haunted and I don't believe in that mess but I just ain't trying to disturb old, old great-grandpappy, grand, you know. I'll let him come 
visit you in the middle of the night. But he hid stuff everywhere. This was, they would have understood the context of this man working a field and discovering something. This show on Netflix, the reason that they're treasure hunting on this island in Alaska is because two people over the last hundred years discovered some gold and they are convinced that pirates buried gold all over this island. And so they're just going in for it. Because if we discover treasure, there's something in us that should want to do something about it. And Jesus says that this man discovers it. It's hidden in a field and he hides it back so nobody else can get it. Now, I, 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 I'm not sure about that. You know, please, if you've experienced the kingdom of God, let's not just keep it for ourselves. But uh, needless to say, he walks away, gets all of his things together, sells them so that he can purchase this field and the treasure is rightfully his. And then in the second parable, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and he bought it. Now, I want you to understand what it was like to go looking for pearls down in, in, in biblical times, 2,000 years ago. See, we could go diving for pearls today. We could go get us some scuba gear and jump off a boat and go looking for some pearls. Can I tell you what they did back then? This is kind of interesting. Please don't try this at home. Just a disclaimer. They would get out of the boat. They would go, I don't know, you know where, where you'd find oysters, but they'd get out on a boat, and then they would tie a rock around themselves and drop the rock in the water that's attached to a rope, and then they would jump in the water. Such rock would sink them all the way to the bottom. And in that mud, they would attempt to find oysters. They would grab the oysters, they would cut the rope to the rock, they would swim to the top, they would get into their boat, they would shuck the oysters, see if there was a pearl, if there wasn't a pearl, they'd do it all over again. But here's the danger. People died doing this. I don't know if you've ever attempted to tie a rock to yourself and jump into the ocean, but it's not a good idea. It's not. I'm just telling you. I'm just warning you. If you, if you didn't get that piece, it's just not, not, not good. But they would have understood this when Jesus is talking about this great pearl because it was more valuable. It's said that it was more valuable than diamonds and jewels. This was very rare and unique. And part of that is the process of obtaining the pearl. And they would have understood that this was a great thing. And if he discovered a great pearl, he got rid of all of his possessions to grab hold of it kingdom of heaven is like a treasure it's like a man who didn't know what he was looking for in the first parable but when he found it in his joy he sold everything to buy it it's like a man who was searching his whole life in the second parable for a treasure and when he found it nothing could stand in his way from grabbing hold of it see the kingdom of god is worth it all both parables are designed to teach us the priceless value of the kingdom but how could you place a value on salvation? What value could you place on being in fellowship with the King of Kings? What value could you place on being forgiven? What value could you place on freedom from sin? In my study this week, I, I read this quote and, and I, I, I had to bring the entire thing here. 
Because there's so much, I, I think, passion in the writing here and an understanding. But it says this in reference to these parables. The parable teaches us that the kingdom is a treasure rich beyond comparison. It's incorruptible, unfading, eternal, and it's lying in a field of this cursed world, waiting for someone to find it, waiting for someone with eyes to seek it. It's a treasure that satisfies our deepest thirst, that fulfills our deepest passions, that lifts our heaviest burdens, and that calms our wildest storms. It's a treasure that's given sight to the blind, that has clothed the naked, a treasure that has placed the fatherless in homes and removed the sin and stain of guilt. It's a pearl that sets captives free. It's a jewel that lifts the yoke of slavery. This treasure rebuilds marriages, renews purposes, and brings life to the dead. And all the best things in the world, all combined, all the riches of the world, they become like a trash dump in comparison to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is worth it all. Yet to be honest, we're so tempted on the constant. As men, as women, as young, as old, and everything in between, we're so tempted to pursue the valueless versus the treasure that's found in the kingdom of God. See, God's given us a treasure beyond price, but we exchange it for the worthless. We exchange truth for lies. We exchange our creator for creation. We exchange love for lust. We exchange humility for pride. And our first thought this morning that I, I want us to talk about is this. Is that God doesn't want us to settle, but rather to have eyes to see. God doesn't want us to settle, but rather have eyes to see. But we're in this in, in this tension, we're in this tussle, we're in this constant battle waging for our attention of where our attention and, and, and treasure is going to be and the kingdom of God is worth it all. Yet we're tempted to exchange it. What we have in God's kingdom is perfection. Yet we're drawn to the superficial. C.S. Lewis has a great passage that talks about the human condition and and I, I just pulled one one phrase from this because he says we are far too easily pleased that really begins to talk about our human condition we are far too easily pleased we're far too easily satisfied because we tend to settle versus seeing God's kingdom for the treasure that it is Somehow we're pleased with this temporary world. We look for satisfaction in worldly treasure. Isaiah 55, 1-3 says this, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. Think about this. Why do we waste our life 
Why do we waste our possessions? Why do we waste our work and our energy and our time and our resources? Why do we waste uh, all of these things on something that won't satisfy? When the answer is found in the kingdom of God. God doesn't want us to settle. He wants us to see clearly. See, a few weeks ago we were um, taking the boys to the beach for a few days and um, if this is your first time here I really apologize you're going to see a little window into my personality uh, but check-in is at four o'clock so we arrive at the hotel at six giving them plenty of time to be prepared for our arrival I'm just kidding we just left after church on Sunday and it was a little bit of a drop you know so we show up at 6 o'clock, and I go to check in, and the manager is checking me in. It's awesome. And she looks at me and says, sir, I'm really sorry. We don't have a room for you. Now, in this moment, I'm smiling now, but my blood pressure was increasing. Um, excuse, I must have heard you incorrectly. Uh, no, we don't have any rooms. So my next question was, well, about what time do you think we're, we're going to have a room? Well, we're really not sure. Now, at that moment, I, I, I then became really aware of my surroundings. I looked around the hotel lobby, and there were many other families that were in the hotel lobby with their luggage cart fully loaded with all of their luggage from their vehicles as they, too, awaited these rooms that we don't know when they're going to be ready. So I just very politely but very directly said, that's fine. Uh, please call me when it's ready. I'm going to go call customer service and see what we can do about rooms. So I call customer service. Well, I get a nice lady on the phone, and I was very nice with her. And uh, I said, ma'am, I've got a problem. She said, okay, sir, what can I do for you? And I said, well, we showed up to our hotel two hours after check-in, and they don't have a room for us. Oh, sir, I'm so sorry. And I said, well, here, here's what I need you to do for me. I need you to do one of two things. I need you to either call the hotel and have them get us a room, or I need you to find me another hotel. Oh, perfect, sir. We found, I've got you a hotel. Now, mind you, we, we, we had some hotel points, and so we were, we, were, we were exchanging those points for a room, and we were staying on the beach. Well, her solution was to put us about a mile and a half from the beach. And this was a great solution from her perspective, but not from my perspective. I said, ma'am, you don't understand. I have a wife who is pregnant. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. I need to have an emergency release from the beach back to our hotel room. This is not going to do. Well, sir, I can't help you then. And I said, well, I need you to get me to somebody who can And I'm not going to tell you, we, we, I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll sum it up in this, is that when I was speaking to the supervisor so kindly, but, but directly, um, the hotel called and the room was ready. And so the Lord spared me from sinning uh, in that moment, in that moment. Because it's real weird when they're like, what's your email? Josh at greenvillefirst.church. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you got to behave. You got to behave. But here's why I tell you that. Because in this moment, 
If your eyes were set on the beach, you're not exchanging the room at the beach for the room down the street. We can look at that and you realize that value is not equated. Don't make that decision. Stand your ground. Yet so many times we have a great understanding of the value of God's kingdom, yet we keep going to superficial alternatives instead of grabbing hold of the treasure that is in the field waiting for us. See, the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure. And God says in this passage in Isaiah, he says, come to me so that you may live. God's not trying to give us a less than. This is why his plan is not for us to settle. It's for us to see clearly. He doesn't want you to settle into the mediocre. He doesn't want you to settle in for the temporary. Because you know what scripture says? He, he came so that we may have life and life more abundantly. And you know what that means? That means a fullness of life on this side of eternity and on the other. That's not found in what the world's treasure may look like. It's found in the satisfaction, the security, and understanding that God is all-powerful. He is the creator of all things. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the beginning and the end. And he desires to have a relationship with us, not just for this life, but forever. That's the treasure. It's in the goodness of his nature, yet we continue to try to exchange and settle. See, I'm grateful that there are people all through Scripture that we can see their desire to be intimate, to be, to, to be close and near to their Creator. I think about the words of David when he writes, and he says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Paul writes in the New Testament, he says, I consider everything garbage or a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Do you have eyes to see the treasure found in the kingdom of God? Or are your eyes wandering to what the world is offering? See, I'm encouraged by so many who are in the room today, who are part of the church, who I've watched over the years have rejected what the world has offered in treasures for the kingdom of God, for a relationship with Jesus. See, I'm so thankful for all the hands that have been raised this year to say I'm ready to make a life change. I may have been looking or I may have just stumbled in here. Regardless, I have discovered that there is a treasure that I've got to grab hold of and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So every time a hand goes up, it's not just another number in a tally box. Every communication card that comes through and says, I've given my life to Jesus. Every time a number is text, that we, they text made new to the number on the screen. It's people who say, hey, I've discovered that there is a treasure that I've got to grab hold of. But here's the difficulty. People grab hold of it for a moment. This guy discovered the treasure, but he has some work to do to obtain the treasure. It's not good enough just for us to say, hey, I've discovered the treasure. This feels good. This is a better way of life. And then I'm going to keep going about my business. He had to go. It cost him everything. But the kingdom of God is worth it all. 
And I'm so grateful every time we baptize somebody. It's not just somebody going into the water. It's somebody saying, hey, I've discovered the treasure. It may have been hidden. I may have been searching everywhere else. But I am standing and saying I am changed and transformed because the kingdom of God is worth it all. But there will continue to be temptation. There will continue to be a struggle. Every day we're tempted to settle versus embracing God's kingdom. But the kingdom of God is worth it all. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. We're going to recite this memory verse at the end of today's message. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. See, Jesus makes a point that the treasure and the pearl are bought with the same price. Everything. Our second point is this. Be willing to give up everything for a treasure that is worth it all. Jesus tells us in Luke 14, 33, he says, In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Jesus is calling us to give up all things for a treasure worth more than everything else. There's a trade and an exchange that takes place. But most of us in the room, we have a negative idea of trades. I was reminded of this this past year when Cohen comes home and he he tells us, Cohen's our seven-year-old, and, and he comes home and says, Mom, Dad, there's, there's a, a kid at school and he wants, to, he wants to trade me something. Now, anytime I hear that, my antennas go up because I'm thinking the one who wants to trade you has got an advantage and he's got the upper hand here and he wants what you have. And he's trying to convince you that his thing's better than it really is. See, Jesus doesn't have to convince us. He doesn't have to measure up what the world offers. When we really look at it, it's a trade worth making. So you trade death for life. You trade sin for salvation. You trade shame for security. You trade hell for heaven. You get rid of all the temporary stuff and you get the king's treasure. The kingdom of God. Anybody in here play fantasy football? It's okay. We can admit. It's, it's, it's church. Some of you are like, fantasy football? What is that? It's okay. Don't, don't open that can of worms. Because this week I obtained an email reminding me that our league has been renewed. For you, this may not be significant. But for me, we're going on over 10 years of the same group of guys that are now spread all over the country being in this same fantasy football league. And in this league, it's pretty competitive. There may be some slight trash talking that occurs. We have a group chat that does not stop. It continues throughout the summer and off season. Every trade that's made on real NFL teams is talked about and discussed. All of the fun. But when season comes, there begins to be this serious commitment and buy-in. Now, if you've ever played, you're trying to like start the best players and get the best stats, and that's, that's the ultimate outcome, is that you would win. And that's a difficult thing to, to happen. 
our league champion from last year is in service today, so I got to be got to be careful. But here's hidden beneath the surface, we have some hidden alliances. There are a few individuals that if I need to make a trade and an exchange, I get their thoughts on the value, who I should look for, and all of it. And it's a safe place, and we discuss this. And often, you know what it takes? It takes somebody that looks at my situation and says, make the trade. It, it, it tells somebody, it, it, it takes that voice in my ear that they're looking at the circumstances, they're looking at this change, and they say, hey, make the trade. And when I think about this in relation to our life, I think sometimes we need to hear somebody else tell us to make the trade. Because we've, we've seen everything that's at stake. We, we can sum up everything and, and derive our own opinion. But sometimes it helps just to hear somebody in our ear saying, hey, it's time to make the trade. Because here's the problem. The kingdom of God is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. To grab hold of this, I have to go get rid of everything in my life so that I can obtain everything God has for me. There's an exchange and a trade that must take place for this to happen. But we like to hold on to the things that bring pleasure in our life because they feel good. Pastor, I, I, I want to hold on to all the possessions. I want the house. I want the car. I want the salary. I want all the things. I want all the toys. I want all the possessions. And, and we, because it brings us pleasure. It brings us happiness. It brings us fulfillment only until it doesn't anymore. I, I, Pastor, I, I love drinking a lot. It's fun. When I, when I cross that line, I like feeling drunk. It makes me feel good. For a time until it doesn't. The lust, the pornography, the sexual relationship. It feels, it feels good for a moment. I, I don't know, can I make this trade? It, it's bringing me satisfaction until it doesn't anymore. And there are people, if you're a part of this church, there are people hopefully that are a voice in your life that are helping to disciple you, that are helping to, to, to challenge you. There are Christians around you. And, and from your pastor today, I'm saying it's time to make the trade. It's time to make the trade. You can't hold on to all that stuff that's bringing you earthly satisfaction, that's fulfilling your pleasure tank, and expect to grab hold of the kingdom of God. But our response is typically, I got it. I'll be okay. It's just for a season. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know my situation. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what I'm dealing with. Yet every time it rings true, when we try to grab hold of the pleasures and the kingdom of this world instead of the kingdom of God that is hidden like a treasure in a field, and if we don't make the exchange, the outcome is always the same, and it's failure after failure after failure. And if you don't believe me, when eternity comes sneaking up your way, it's going to make a difference. We cannot continue to try and hold on to this world and hold on to God's kingdom. It does not work kingdom of God is worth it all and it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life
It'll cost you everything. But can I tell you, everything that is of value, God brings back. Now hear me. God doesn't bring everything back. But God will bring everything that is of value back. You don't believe me? Try putting all of your dreams and plans and hopes into God's hands because he can do more than your brain and your ability and your talent and your work ethic. He can do more than it all. You know why? Because he created you the way that you are from the moment that you were in your mother's womb. And if he's the creator of everything he put inside of you, you don't think that he can far outdo what you're able to do on your own? But are you willing to pay it all? so many times we just try to negotiate well God I'll give you 70% I'll give you 80% God but please don't ask me for this because if you ask me for this this is off limits I can't give you all of that God I'll give you this 80% it's, it's, that's, a, that's a B these days isn't that good mom would be so proud but God's asked you for everything he didn't ask you for 80% he didn't ask you for 70% and this is where I think so many times in our Christian life, in my personal life, we try to just feel good about ourselves and we need to re be reminded that the kingdom of God has a heavy cost to it. It cost us everything. There's a passage of scripture in Ezekiel 14. It tells the story of some leaders in Israel and they, they come to the prophet Ezekiel and they, they want a word from the Lord. But here's the problem with the people of Israel at this time. They had idols that they were also worshiping. And they're coming with their idols basically in their hearts. But for the example today, they're in their hands. And they show up with these idols, yet they want a word from the Lord. They show up with 70% of their heart and say, God, I want a fresh word from you. God, I need favor in my situation. God, I want to be close to you. God, I want you to use me. But I've got my idol in my hand, and I'm asking for God to to speak, God to work. And here's what God says. He says, tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. The people of Israel have set up idols in their heart and have fallen into sin. And then they go to a prophet asking for a message. So I'll give them the message they deserve. I'll do this. And he says in verse six, therefore tell the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Repent and turn away from your idols and stop all your detestable sins. You want a word from God? That's a word from God. I'm sorry if that doesn't make you feel great on a Sunday morning and doesn't make you smile. But I think there's times in our life where we need to, for me, I need to hear this constantly. That we wouldn't put idols in front of God. That we'd stop trying to get away with 70% or 80%. God does not take second place worship. We can try all of our life and think we're doing a good thing, but God does not take second place. Time to get rid of all the worthless treasures and come to God and find the treasure that is worth it all. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Our final point this morning is this. There is no greater joy than what is found in the treasure of Jesus. There's no greater joy than what is found in the treasure of Jesus. 
See, it can feel hard. It can feel a little sobering this morning. The pastor's telling me I got to give everything. Well, can I tell you, if you really truly understand the value of the kingdom of God, we find it joyful to exchange everything that we have for what God has. If there is reluctance in your voice, if there's hesitation, it's because you truly haven't rested and understood the treasure that is in Jesus, that is in the kingdom of God. And that's not to try and make you feel bad about where you are. It's just when we realize just how valuable this treasure is, it's a no-brainer exchange. We trade all day long. How many of you in here have been serving Jesus for longer than 15 years? I'm, I'm talking no backsliding, no like I disappeared. Hey, I've been faithful for, to Jesus for 15 years. Okay, there's less hands in here than first service. Sounds about right. Okay. I'm just, I'm messing. But here's my question. And I need an audible response from you today. If you could go back, would you do it again? I'm going to try that one more time. If you could go back, would you do it again? See, we search for, for reviews when we go to buy products. Why? Because other people's experience, it, it can help save us or lead us in the right direction. Why do I ask that question? Because I've yet to meet somebody that has served Jesus for an extended period of time that looks back and says, it was all a waste of my time. I wish I could go back and de decide differently. I haven't met one. You know what I normally hear? I normally hear saints of the faith say, if I could go back and do it again, I would have started earlier. I look at my life now and the years where I wasn't following Jesus, I consider a loss. Because there is so much treasure found in the kingdom of God. If I could go back and do it again, I'd make different decisions. And it's not living in this place of guilt. It's just living in, in, in an awe and understanding that the, the treasure that is the kingdom of God is worth everything else. Take it all away. Take all what I thought was fun for a season, what was, what was wild hairs for a moment, what I thought would just be a temporary season. Throw it all away. Burn it in the fire. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I'd do it all over again. I'd give my life to Jesus. I, I would make my life right. I would follow in his ways everything he asked of me, every bit of sacrifice, everything he requested of me. It's yours, God. Because it's way greater in your hands than it is in mine. And the sad thing is we have so many people sitting in churches all around the world today that just think that I'm, my 70% is okay. My 80% is okay. If I just keep this little piece of me that, that feeds my selfish desires, that helps me cope when I'm stressed out, that helps me deal with a bad week at work, that whatever the case may be, if I just hold on to this, I'm going to be okay. God doesn't intend for you to settle God wants you to see with the eyes that he's given you. God wants you to understand that it may cost you something. It's going to cost you everything, but it's with great joy that we can do it because of the value of the kingdom of God. So as we close today, it's this. The kingdom of God is worth it all. I know that this even when I was prepping this week, I'm like, oh, God, I'm so 
far from where I need to be. Because every day we deal with selfish desires and selfish motives and, 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 and self-serving things for our life and our conveniences and all the things that we want to happen. It's a battle that we'll continue to face until we step from this side of eternity to the other. I've also yet to meet a Christian that said, hey, I don't struggle with selfishness anymore. I never have a selfish thought anymore. I never have to deal with my, my inner life anymore. But what I hear is it's worth it all. So I'm going to invite everybody to bow your head today. Everybody close your eyes. The kingdom of God is worth it. It's worth it all. And I don't know what you walked in here, whether maybe today is your day, whether you have been searching for a treasure in a field, or whether you just stumbled upon it, but you've heard the message today that the kingdom of God is worth it all. Your decision to follow Jesus is worth every bit of your yes. Or maybe you've been quote unquote a Christian for a long time the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now and you've yet to give God your all so whether it's a decision to follow Jesus today whether it's a rededication of saying Jesus I need you to be Lord of my life you're here today and you're just ready to make that decision I need you to understand something that the good news the gospel the message that Jesus died for us so that we don't have to be separated it's good news because there was bad news and that we were all born into sin and Jesus is the only way and he's worth every bit of it so if you're here today and you'd say pastor I need to respond I need to give my life to Jesus will you just slip your hand up nobody's looking in the room yeah anybody else say it's time thank you yeah anybody else if you're ready make the trade make the trade can we repeat this prayer after me today dear Jesus I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness I believe you died for me and I want to be made new I invite you into my life I want to trust you as Savior and as King. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we celebrate today those who are making a decision? Amen. Well, hey, I, I just want to, we, we do this every single week, but it's important to take a next step. You know, when the man discovered the treasure in the field, he had to leave to go get stuff in order to put some to sell it to come back to obtain everything God has and we just believe those are next steps of saying God I, I, I have invited you into my life I've discovered you as my treasure now I'm taking steps to make that a priority and a part of my life and so we have some easy ways to do that you can text made new to the number on the screen whether you're online or you're in the room we'll send you a free digital resource called following jesus we also have hard copy books that are here you can stop by the connection center even if you didn't raise your hand today but you're like pastor i need to take some next steps 
It is a great resource that talks about some of those next steps. Who Jesus is. Why be water baptized? Who is the Holy Spirit? All of these things. Why? Because they are helpful of understanding the value of the treasure that is in the kingdom of God. It's our mission as a church to journey with you from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be. It's our privilege. We love walking with people. We love to walk with you. Thanks for being just a great church today. I know that I'm sweating a little extra this morning, um, but it's, it's good. Will you help me give a warm welcome to Pastor Britt as she comes to talk about giving?